Hello everybody and welcome to the Words Over Whiskey podcast episode 11. I'm your host Henry and as always I'm joined by Tom. Hello. So this week we have a Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Which you said straight there really strangely. Kentucky Straight. Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Taste test first. Then yes please. Did you hear that little pop? Yeah I heard it. No, I, I said I think you'll quite like this one because we've had Woodford Reserve before and this sort of reminds me of it. Um, slight, slight, slightly slightly different, but still very, very nice at the very same time, nice. in my opinion. One of your nice smooth ones. Yes. All right, should we give it a smell test? It smells strong. It it smells very kind of woody. It smells like a wooden barrel. It smells like the, ba- the barrel yes, it came actually, from. Yes, actually, yeah, like, um, like a cork or something. Mm, mm. Yeah, it smells like a cork kind of that's been dipped in whiskey, of course. <laughs> well, that, that it has been. Yeah, definitely kind of has that woody taste like Woodford, but I'd say it's a a bit sweeter. Yeah, I was gonna say it's got like slightly caramelly taste. It's nice. Mm, it's nice. Mm. Yeah, I, I really. I was, I was saying to you just before we hit record as well. I really like the design of the bottle with like the. It is uh, beautiful. E- it is very eagle. sleek. It's got the, that nice eagle engraving. Yeah. As um, I got, uh, this is a while ago, I got some uh, lights which you can put in like glasses. So you put you put them in empty bottles. So I might have to uh, might have to do that with this bottle once it's finished. So <laughs> let's have a look at the bag. Oh, it's, it's quite a long description, so I won't read that. I'll just oh, Jesus. Read, yeah, I'll just read the uh, tasting notes and see what we've got. So Kentucky Eagle Rare Kentucky Straight Bourbon has a sweet oaky nose and full yeah. complex body. So we definitely got the oaky nose, the oaky smell. Reminiscent of a fine port wine, this rare whiskey know. is served neat or over ice. Of course, feel free <laughs> to drink. It's classic cocktails. This rare whiskey is served neat or over ice. As if me or you were going to do anything other than that. It doesn't. It doesn't say anything about the uh, the tasting notes, but. Yeah, I, definitely oaky, and um, definitely oaky. I would say it's quite complex the taste yeah. as well. Quite, quite another smooth one, like you said. It's not over, overly, it's not smoky or anything. It's I good in, it's good in whiskey sours. Good to know. So, are you ready for a bit of whiskey trivia, Tom? Absolutely. Right. It's just, it's not. I'm gonna have to answer questions, am I? Embarrass myself again. No, this this is more a fact rather than trying to guess. Get you to guess at something. I feel it's quite ah. fitting for this whiskey as well. So the whiskey fact for this week is Kentucky is home to more barrels of maturing whiskey than people. Really? So there are more barrels of whiskey in the state of Kentucky than there are people. So between the obscene amount of whiskey and Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> what am I still doing here? <laughs> also. Last week when we were doing the, the trivia questions, mm-hmm. you were asking me um, what's what was the diff- what is like a single malt whiskey and what's the difference between a blended whiskey. So that sent me. I thought I didn't quite know the answer, so I went I went and searched it up for you. So I found Excellent. what I found. There are quite there's quite a lot of explanations out there, and they're quite long. But to put it in uh, simple terms, um, oi, what are you trying to say? No, no, no. To kind of like, uh, I, I could, I could spend like the next five, ten minutes trying to explain it, but to try and <laughs> reduce, reduce that and put it into 
easier to understand. So a single malt is usually ex is exclusively made from single malt barley. And if you ah. have a single malt, it will only come from uh, like a, a single uh, distiller. So say it's Glenfiddich, a single malt Glenfiddich. The whiskey is just from Glenfiddich. Whereas a blended whiskey, it can uh, the base of it can contain anything from corn, rye, or wheat as the base of the mix. And also blended whiskies, it's they'll take, as the name suggests, they'll take a, a number of different whiskies and blend it together. Right, that does to make, make sense to make the finished product. That, so that's that is... that's kind of how that how that's summed up really. But it was interesting as I was like looking into it that um, some of the sources were saying that single malts, their most people their perception of it is that it's really rare and valuable because it's just one whiskey from a barrel. But they apparently it's it it's still the whiskey is kind of like blended together. It's it's different. It cannot it can sometimes be different whiskies, but as I said, it would be from just the same distiller so Glenfiddich might take a few different whiskies that they've made and put them together and it will be this single malt so they'll all be single malt whiskies that are put together to make the finished product but it's because it's from that one distiller and it is still the malt barley that all those whiskies together have as their base ingredient that's what makes the single malt whereas as soon as they start adding in other whiskies from different uh, manufacturers that's when it becomes a blended one right so yeah because we just dis we discussed this last time and i wasn't quite sure and you were asking me and i was like i should i should i should look that up for the next podcast to be fair we could have guessed that a blended whiskey is a blend of different whiskeys and different bases that yeah, is i think that, that, I, think, I think that was my guess when we on the last podcast but i wasn't sure so i thought i would look it up and be able to clarify this time well that's good also, to know also, um, this is really funny because, you know, in the previous episode we were talking about, uh, I think we went on a tangent about like I was saying how I don't necessarily take everything in from a a book in a way. Right. As in, yeah, I, I, I'm more of a visual learner because of my dyslexia. And so, yeah, so I, I was saying that when I've read a book, I might not necessarily always remember every single bit of it. If someone says, oh, what was, what was, I could give them the basis of what the book was about but i wouldn't be able to quote passages from it funnily enough after that uh episode i was talking to a friend and he was we were just talking about podcasts and stuff and he was giving me some recommendations because i was looking for new stuff to listen to and so he he sent me a link to it and their most recent episode at that time was on why you don't rem remember everything you read ah. and I was like, oh i better give this a listen i think uh the podcast was called no stupid questions um, and it was really interesting because the, the two people on there were saying that when you're reading, uh, when you've read something and it's been a while since you've read it, you, of course, you won't, you might remember the general story or a few of the bits and pieces. But often you'll remember if you're just reading it for enjoyment, you, you're not necessarily there. Just take it all in and remember it. You're just like a movie. You're just there to enjoy it for the experience. You're, you're not often. Go on. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say because you're there to enjoy it, you see it as entertainment. You're not, whatever it is in your brain that helps you learn is not engaged. Is that, yes. Is that what they were saying? Yeah, they were kind of saying often 
you won't always remember like all the details, but you'll maybe remember where you were or uh, what the book looked like, the cover of the book, where, where you were when you read it. So like, uh, I think I might have even said this in my uh, in one of the previous episodes. Like, I always remember reading the first Game of Thrones because I read it. Uh, my mum got it from me from a charity shop and I remember reading it on holiday. I will always remember that and associate that book with that holiday. How old were you? Uh, oh blimey um maybe 16 17 uh, right because i think i was 11 or 12 when i read the first game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah, my parents yeah. definitely sort of looked up to what, what it was about yeah i think it was it was about the time that the first it was just after the first season had come out because uh sean bean was sat on the iron throne on this on the cover of this book so i think it was after the first season of the show had come out okay because we were a lot younger than 16 when the first season came out yeah maybe uh, maybe i was like i think it might be in 14 15 then yeah now yeah but another thing they they said is when you're also sometimes you'll have triggers so when you're when you're when you've read something and you can't necessarily remember the facts from it if you read through it again you'll also you'll be then again you need something to trigger your memory so you'll begin to remember more and more of it as say you're rereading it you're like oh wait i remember this this thing or oh wait they've said this and then what they're going to say next is that to be fair if i'm trying to learn something it really helps me to read it and then write it down mm, yeah i'm the same i whenever i was revising for exams as a kid i'd have to i'd, I'd be writing out stuff from the te- textbook onto like flashcards, and then i'd i'd do i'd use those to reread it but then I'd also I'd probably write out the flashcards again like two or three more times because it just helped it helped reinforce it in a way reinforce the knowledge. Not that I can remember much of like if or you had me to, to use do, much of it. Yeah, I mean like if you ask me to do trigonometry or something now I can't. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't even remember what that is. I don't even know what that is. It's triangles. <laughs> Very helpful. That's, Thank that's, you, Henry. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. It's it's working out the angles of triangles. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that shows that neither of us are particularly mathematically inclined doesn't it <laughs> nope nope <laughs> we're whiskey inclined yeah, whiskey and books inclined so exactly. leading on so the first book that i gave you to read was the little black book of workout motivation by michael matthews what did you make That's of right. it it was very short and sweet um, it's, only, it's only about 200 pages exactly exactly um and it was uh, very uh, very sweet and was clearly about written by someone who wants to help he um, really wants people to in in his mind he really wants them to help get fit and work out more but also his advice could be used for all sorts of for any any goals any personal ambitions or goals if you're having trouble motivating yourself this book is the book for you yeah, this this was my um top book from last year I yes that's my top book because that's the thing I find with the title, it's slightly misleading in that people just think, oh, this is just about stuff about what you should do at the gym or uh, how you should, what exercises you should do. But in, instead, it's kind of, he takes a lot from what other people have written and the advice they can impart in their Well, not just what other people have it. written, not just what other people have written, but actual scientific studies about success and motivation and concentration. The the back of the book, is it's got the recommended reading list that you told me about, but it's also got pages and pages and pages of references of all these different um, scientific journals and papers and case studies by top universities whose research he has 
quoted to mm. demonstrate his point. Yeah, and I really like, I particularly like the fact that he included a reading list as well. Yes, yes. And you, uh, didn't, didn't you enjoy, like, how you recognised a lot of the books? Yeah, I've, and, I've read quite a few, or I've heard of some of them, and they're on, like, my to-read list and everything, and it's it's really interesting. I love how, like you said, he includes this advice from people who have the evidence to back it up. Like, I think he also includes, like, little tasks in it as well for you to yeah. try and do. Yes, I think one, one of them was Warren Buffett, who's a, a famous investor. And it was just right... It, it was right down... I think it's right down 20 things you really want to do in your life. Now cut that list down to five. Yeah. Now now throw, throw away everything else but those five and just focus on those five. Well, that's good uh, advice, to be honest. I also like how he, there was one... Um, I can't remember who he quoted, but he quoted someone who was saying, and I'm paraphrasing really bad, brutally um, misquoting them here, but apparently for some people who are really successful, the act of becoming successful was more enjoyable to them than actually being successful. So, of course, they love having the million-pound house and the amazing car, but whatever they did to earn that money, that that grind was more enjo- was, was enjoyable to them as much as having all that stuff. And that's is how it, they... is it, isn't on. it they say it's, uh, it's, it's the journey, not the destination? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But I, I also I, uh, mentioned something that I've read in other books as well, um, which is if you want to be successful or wealthy or have a really good body or whatever, you have to be prepared to make that sacrifice. Mm. Rather than so, saying, what, uh, what do I want to, how much do I want to earn or whatever, you should ask yourself, what am I willing to sacrifice? It's also uh, about discipline as well. That's mm. one that always comes up, is that you have to be disciplined if you want to achieve your goals well it's like in just fitness and everything if you want to go for a run make sure you get up and you go you can't you can't just you can't just put it off because it's raining or it's cold like it is at the moment yeah you've got to be you've got to have that drive and that discipline to be able to achieve this stuff i also like at the start of each chapter he has like little quotes as well i'm someone who likes quotes you like the quotes I, 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 i like a good quote i love that he includes those at the start of the uh, chapters uh, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it because i it, wasn't sure i wasn't sure what you would make of it i liked all the studies about uh, motivation and concentration um i wouldn't say it's helped me do more exercise um, <laughs> that's 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 because you need his other book for it <laughs> I, I was gonna say uh, early, like, early in the book he says he gives a case study of some guy that he was speaking to and uh, this person had taken steroids, hired personal trainers, etc., etc., and, and couldn't get his dream body or whatever. Um, and so this guy, what did you say it was called, Henry? Mark Matthews? Uh, Michael Matthews. Michael Matthews um, comes on the scene and says, okay, do, take my, I'll, I'll, I'll be your PT for free. Take my advice. And if after a month or whatever, you're not happy with it, I will give you a thousand pounds. So this guy's like, well, okay, that's a, Grand for me, I'll, I'll, <laughs> easy peasy. But after a month, he was seeing amazing results. And uh, Michael Matthews said he's going to explain that in this book. And bear in mind, this Robert person didn't have to change much about his diet or do any more or less exercise than he was already doing. So I was like, oh great, what is this secret? And that secret's never explained. Or if it is, it was lost on me. 
<laughs> yeah, that's so, he he has an, another book entirely dedicated to there like, it work, is workouts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he he goes on and on and on in the book about how he just wants to help people get fitter. But if that was the case, I wouldn't have had to pay for that book. Mm. Although thinking about oh. it, I didn't pay for that book, did I? <laughs> <laughs> well, you you can borrow the other one as well if you want. But it, it, the size of it, it's like a textbook. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! <laughs> yeah, I'm actually still reading it at the moment because I. I kind of stopped for a while and I I kind of just picked it back up again. But yeah, going back to the little black book um from have, have you tried any of the to put up. into practice any of like the like the little tasks like I mentioned with the Warren Buffett one? Did you did you try any of those? I try uh, some of the ones where you write where you had to write stuff down. I tried those. The one where it said that I should give up coffee for a week it's not happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say you're a big coffee lover, aren't you? I'm a big coffee lover. I've had three coffees today, and I feel fine. I honestly didn't wasn't bouncing off the rules or anything. That's probably because your body's just become so used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My stomach did not. To be honest, my stomach did not need that much coffee. <laughs> that again is. Uh, I really enjoy that book. I'm. I am tempted to reread it at some point because it's been a while. I think it's probably been about uh, two years. Maybe since I, I last read it. And it's one of those ones I think I feel like I could pick up and read again. Again, because it isn't very long. It, it, it'd certainly be easy to reread. But oh yeah, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So, yeah. So, the, the, the short book that you gave me was Code Red. Or no, yep. sorry, All Systems Red by uh, Martha, Wellis, or Martha Wells. And you said this book was like a really... It was a bit of like a curveball. I wasn't really expecting it to be to make me feel the way it did because because you, you said this you read this in your childhood, didn't you? you no, I only read it a few months ago, actually. Really? Oh yeah. Um, I thought. Oh, when in the previous podcast it made it sound like it one you, one you'd read at school or something. Oh no, I, I meant reminded me of the way I used to feel around people at school. Oh uh, okay. Because that makes a bit more sense. I used to behave a lot like this character in certain situations when I was younger, minus the death murder bot thing. Yeah, so uh, for context here, the the book follows um, a group of sort of researchers on a planet and they have a security droid with them, but the droid's made up of, well, part it's part machine and sort of part organic material, but it's hacked itself, so it's become self-aware in a way basically it's a deaf robot that's that's self-aware and has become it got its own intelligence its own sentience and basically it's super socially awkward it does not like talking to people and would rather go home and watch tv yeah but uh, most people are thinking oh does this is this what a book where it becomes self-aware and then kills all the people but actually it's it <laughs> it grudging it, it, it grudgingly helps them but it, like like you said, it it just it just wants to be left alone and just wants to watch TV. But that was that was my kind of problem. I I, I guess the I guess the idea of the book is that it it becomes self aware and you can see it's kind of socially awkward, and you're kind of meant to it kind of it's kind of meant to humanize the character and you're kind of meant to relate in some sort of way. I related I a lot admit, with it, that robot. I, I, could, I, I didn't really relate. I, not that I couldn't relate, but I didn't feel like I was reading about a robot character, which I guess is the idea of the book. Yeah, it's but not this... actually a fully, fully, a, a complete robot. 
Yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, if if this thing's been programmed to do, to protect people and stuff, even if it's hacked itself, why would it see the need to watch TV? Why why, why does it get socially awkward? It, I, yeah, I just found that a bit strange. Well, it made sense to I, me. I could I, I could I could relate to it in thinking of it as oh it, it's kind of it, it's kind of like a human but I, I did, yeah i just found it kind of a strange notion that a robot watches tv what, what is the reason for it it's got nothing else to do <laughs> sitting alone in this cubicle yeah but it can it could just turn itself off I don't know if it can. I have to admit, I was pleasantly surprised because it did, it didn't go the way I expected. So when you were describing it to me, I was like, "Oh, it's going to become self-aware and it is going to kill the crew and everything." But it, <laughs> it, it, the story went in a different way to what I thought, and I kind of liked, um, sort of the, some of the stuff that was set set up in the background with these other corporations and the. Um, because they're like they're they're different companies are contracted to go explore these planets but they uh they have to kind of do it on the cheap to be able to secure the contracts that's right isn't it so that's the premise for the story um you know what you're saying earlier about not getting not you know remembering what you read very well (laughs) (laughs) the premise of the story is about a a rogue um uh, security robot who is self-aware and really likes trashy TV and really doesn't like talking to people. I'm, I've read the sequel now and the there's, there's a very much a theme of dodgy, uh, cheap, corrupt corporations, but it's never a major part of the story. Yeah, but that, that, that's the thing. It's kind of there in the background yeah, for a bit of yeah. the world building, which I I thought was interesting. I was thought, because I was just reading because it's a short story i didn't at the time i was reading i didn't actually realize it was part of a series so yeah there's like seven or more books. yeah so as i was reading it i was like oh this all this stuff it's kind of building here that'd be really interesting if it was a longer novel when you could delve into that but i thought uh oh, i guess we won't because it's just a one-off i didn't realize it was part of a series yeah that, there's, um, there's more yeah I, d- I did like that i could picture everything quite well i could almost imagine it like a tv series playing in my head as i was reading it so I, I quite enjoyed that. It was quite well written and quite descriptive. I have to admit, though, I I can't see myself reading the rest of the series. I think there are probably other things out there I'd spend my time reading. But I I am I'm because uh, I I don't read a lot of short stories. I tend to read novels. So I'm glad to have kind of read something a bit different. But at, um, and it was quite nice as well because at the same time I was reading a very fact heavy book, and this was a very nice break from that. But well, uh, I thought it was a very emotional book. Emotional? Yeah, I thought it was quite emotional. <laughs> <laughs> does, you does did not say... like this book. You did not like this book, Henry. I, no, it's it's not that I didn't like it. It it was enjoyable in a in its own unique way. I just I I guess I don't see Not your it in... sort of book. Not your yeah, sort of book. Yeah, I guess I don't see it in the same light as you saw it. Fair enough. It's fair enough. But uh, talking of one book, which I probably won't read the next in the series, to one book that I will definitely read the next in the series. The next book you gave me was Retribution Falls. But the difference was, the first book was just a book that was 
very important to me, but this book I knew you would enjoy. Yes, so this is another steampunk book, and I have to admit, I absolutely loved it. Yep, it was very very much your sort of thing, isn't it? it yeah, it, it, I was just going to say, it's an action-packed adventure with a really colourful cast of characters. Sky Pirates! That's the first thing you say about this book. Sky <laughs> Pirates. Sky Pirates. <laughs> yep. That's what. That's, that's the only thing you need to say about this book. <laughs> what book should I read? Do you want Sky Pirates? Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. Read well, this why book. wouldn't you? <laughs> so, yeah, Henry, this this is probably the best steampunk book I've read. Yeah, because you you you've told me to. You've mentioned it so many times to me. Yeah. You've told me to read it so many times. I think it was after after I'd read Aeronauts Windlass. I said, "Oh, I want another steampunk book." You were like, "Here, take this. <laughs> Enjoy." Take it. Okay, okay, but how does it compare to Aeronauts Windless? It's funny because as I was reading it, I was, was like reminded of it, weren't you? Yeah, because it, there were just a, a number of different things. I, I was trying to, I was drawing compa- comparisons between like the two, Captain Grimm and Captain Frey. They're like, very, I, I, very Captain, different people. Uh, They're very different people. One of yeah, them is the, this noble guy, who always knows what to do, very gallant, and the other one's the self-serving, conniving <laughs> narcissist. Drunk. Drunkard. <laughs> drunkard, yeah. Womanizing drunkard. Yeah, and it, then there's cats. As, there's a cat, although this one doesn't yeah. talk. <laughs> so it doesn't talk and it's much more violent. Yeah, there was also like the, the navies and everything, like the Coalition Navy and then the Albion Navy. Very um, similar, with yeah. With the ships. What I really like, because you, the, the, you had the ships, you had the main ships. You know, there's kind of the classic steampunk where it's kind of, they're almost like blimps. They're like, ships and then they're held aloft by the the airbag i didn't kind of get that from the ketty j in this it kind of felt almost slightly sci-fi-ish with a well, hint of steampunk if you get what i mean rather than steampunk it, i i always imagined it more as diesel punk if that makes sense so yeah. rather than it being run on steam based technology like you know steam powered technology it's actually run almost on oil i mean uh, when I yeah, let they you have like their the... canis- they have like canisters and it's called like aerium gas or something. Or... Well, not only that, but down on the ground, uh, you'll find this out when you read the later <laughs> novels, Henry, when I lend them to you. But a bit of lore for you. They've got motorised carriages, trains, buggies. They probably have tanks. I can't really remember. Yeah. They, they've they got like this whole industry, I would say, more closer to 1920s level of technology than... Mm. Victorian steampunk. It wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was classical steampunk at all. No, but it's 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 good. And um, I was one of the things I really liked were the the outflyers. They're kind of the the craft, the smaller craft that fly the with fighters. them. Almost, they're, they're, yeah, they're they're almost like fighter jets in a way. And they have dogfights. Yeah, and I, I love the names yeah. of them. The <laughs> names are so good. like the the fire uh, crow, fire crow. Then like the uh, oh, I can't remember them. Let me let me grab the book and see. If I can... uh, what, Don't what bend they... the spine. Yeah, I know. Like, isn't it like one's called like Silver Wind or something? Like something that? like that. Yeah. Yeah. They, are, they, they just they have good. really cool, really cool names. Yeah, I really liked I really liked those editions as well because they made me think of fighter fighter Have you ever seen um, Cowboy Bebop at all? No. The anime. Well, uh, it's it, uh, like the 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 two 
the two pilots in this, they kind of reminded me of something in Cowboy Bebop where they're flying around in their larger spacecraft, but then they have a smaller craft which they use for dogfights and stuff as well. Uh, so it, it reminded me of that, which was which was pretty cool. But yeah, I really like this and I liked the the char- the characters. It's it's a smaller crew, it's a crew of about five or six, isn't it? Yeah. But you I feel like you get to know them a bit more than in like Aeronauts Windlass where you have Captain Grimm and you have the other main characters, but you don't get to know his crew quite as in depth as these characters. Oh, I think you get to know the crew, the Ketty J in more detail than you do of any of the characters in Aeronauts Windless, because I feel yeah. the, the plot's much more fast-paced in Aeronauts yes. Windless, and a lot more happens, so you don't have as much time for characterization. Yeah, yeah. Whereas... I liked... It was very fast um, beat, or fast tempo to the story, which I liked, because it felt felt very action-packed, um, and it just kept the kept the story flowing. Mm-hmm. Also, I, another comparison is that... Uh, the, each captain's girlfriend is then their like main adversary. <laughs> yeah, that, actually, <laughs> I was like, that, oh, that, it, it's <laughs> another similarity, but <laughs> at the yeah. same time, quite funny. Yeah, they are they are very similar. I I think it's either Jim Butcher, the guy who wrote Aeronauts Windless, or Joe Abercrombie, the guy who wrote First Law trilogy. Both big uh, books you really enjoyed. Who is a good friend? It's one. Of, it's either one of the two or both of them. They're a good friend of the guy who wrote Say Hello to J, which is uh, Chris Chris Wooding. Yeah, they're they're friends. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. I didn't realize that. I'm pretty certain Chris Wooding was in uh, often proofreads Joe Abercrombie's books. Pretty yeah, certain, or at least the most recent ones, at least. I yeah, think. I'm trying to see if, see if there's anything written on the book itself from either of those two, but can't. No, I can't see it. But yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I like the fast pace of it. I like the characters, and I also like how, despite it's it's a bit it's a shorter book than Aeronauts Windlass. It's about four hundred pages, but at the yeah. same time, you get to know all the different characters' backgrounds and how they've got there. It it fits a lot into it, which I think is why I read it so quickly. It's very action packed. It's a fast pace, but at the same time, it's thoroughly enjoyable, and you really want to know what happens. There were a couple. There were a couple of bits which I, I guessed what was going to happen. But at the yeah. same time, there were a number of bits where I didn't see certain bits happening. I was like, oh, that was a really cool twist. Or, uh, uh, I think that's. I think that's what's going to happen. Oh, uh, yep, it is. But then, oh wait, I didn't see that happening. Yeah, it was, I'm really glad you. I'm definitely, definitely going to have to borrow the next one off you because this was a. This was a good one. The next one is good. The next one is called The Black Lung, Captain. Sounds intriguing. Yes, no, you'll enjoy that one too. So so I've read a first in the new series, and I gave you a book which is part of a lot, the first in a, quite a long series, but which is one of my favourite series. Would you like to introduce the next book, Tom? So, yes, this book that you're talking about, Henry, is Under the Eagle by Simon Scarrow. Funnily enough, I am reading the next in the series at the moment. So I've given you the first one whilst I'm reading the 19th. (laughs) 19th? Yeah, I've been reading this series for probably about 10 years now. But it started, I think it started in like the early 2000s. So I'm going to look this up. Hang on, wait, wait, I've got the book right here. This book was first published in 2000. Yeah, so th- this series is ongoing for 20 years. 20 years, Jesus. And I, yeah, I think I started it Yeah, when I was 14. Well, I really enjoyed it. Can't say I didn't. And between this, watching Barbarians, 
and replaying Rome Total War and several Mountain Blade Roman mods. I've had a very Roman-themed couple of weeks. <laughs> Are you watching Barbarians as well? I am very slowly working my way through Barbarians, yeah, because I'm it's, really interested in history. I love history. And um, that battle with Teutonburg Forest is really interesting to me because it's the biggest Roman defeat, or one of the biggest. And mm. the fact that a bunch of savage, smelly barbarians <laughs> did that much damage is just amazing as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, mm. I, I, I've been watching Barbarians. And the fact yeah, that I'm... it's entirely in German or Latin is actually quite atmospheric for me. You, you, can, you can change it to... Uh... Yeah, no, I, I like it. I like it. If, it no, I, I've been I've been stuff. watching it in the original German and Latin mm. as, as well because it's it's good. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's only like six episodes long. I think yeah, I think I've just finished episode. Oh, four. good because it's been a bit slow. Yeah, I've, I like you. I'm kind of waiting for the big epic, the final big battle. battle. Yeah, and I'm like, I mean, admittedly, it's all about this one battle, so they can't just uh, actually a six episode long battle. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> well, anyway, about it. Anyway, Sorry, yes. back, back to the book. That, we went the on book, slight tangent. We did. That's okay. Yeah, um, Under the Eagle, I enjoyed it. I thought I saw the tryst coming, and actually, I didn't. But in my defence, that's because I thought of what the twist could be. And I was like, no, it can't be that. It's too obvious. I thought of something else. But actually, no, it was that. So, <laughs> kind of, that's smart of me there. But only because I'm too smart. <laughs> so, the idea of a... Um, 12 or so Romans going deep behind enemy lines to recover a chest full of treasure. Sounds amazing. Sounds really cool. And it was fun to read. Unfortunately, that's only the last 100 pages. And the first 300 pages, if you took them out of the book, it wouldn't affect the plot very much. Really? I, I, I really liked the start. So, for context, the Under the Eagle series, it follows two... Roman soldiers, Centurion, uh, Macro, and... New recruit, uh, Cato. New recruit, Cato. And he's... Cato's a former uh, slave who's joined the army to earn his freedom. Macro's kind of like a grizzled veteran, and he kind of takes Cato underneath his wing. We should should say at this point that Cato, when he first joins the army, although he has been a slave, he's been the sort of scribe admin work type slave he's not been mistreated because he worked he was living in the palace he he is more of a bookish young yeah, bookish he's, he's very he's very intelligent um but very much the underdog yeah whereas uh macro is kind of more uh brute force and a lot of shouting yes i was expecting him to be more grizzled and less dumb but yes he is very much exactly what you'd expect a centurion to be yeah I, I like I like the pairing of them. They they because they're they're both so different, but they they complement each other very well. They complement each other very well, and they kind of get on. They, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> they, there they, is that of um, affection between them. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But it's interesting what you said about the first bit because I really enjoyed the start because they're they're in, the start of the book. They're in Germany. They're yeah. actually fighting the German tribes, and then later they go to Britannia where the new campaign is starting. Did you did you not enjoy the battle sequence at the start? Well, the I battle really... sequence was quite good near the beginning of the book. It's more like a hundred. I don't know about, about the start, Henry. It's more like a hundred pages in. Um, oh. but, <laughs> but yeah, but you yeah. got you got you got to have time to get to know the characters. And <laughs> well, of course, yeah, Kato's yeah. going through like the recruitment and everything. So yeah, it was. I enjoyed the battle sequence, but 
it didn't really have a, any meaning for the plot, if that makes sense. Like, it sort of, it felt like the plot started when they reached Britain, mm. which is not a spoiler because it says it in the blurb. <laughs> but and that's the thing, the blurb says, uh, that made me think like they would get to England, Britain, sorry, quite early on in the story because it, it it makes it seem like the story is about how they get on in Britain. So, yeah, the first 100 pages or so, establishing character, I fully understand. But then they didn't even find out they were going to England for a long time. Well, they, d- they didn't exactly have email back then. Well, yes, I understand <laughs> that. But it, it, it just felt like it was a bit slow, is what I'm saying. So, so it, it wasn't pacey enough for you? It wasn't pacey enough. But it was very... It was definitely the, the sort of style that I can easily sink my teeth into. Nice and, e- nice and easy to read. Mm. And... Um, it's just quite interesting to read something different. And like I say, I love history, so I read. I like historical fiction. And Simon Scarrow says that he enjoys reading books by Bernard Cornwall, and so do I. Yeah, I think I think he and Bernard Cornwall they have a friendly rivalry. Do they? Yeah. Well, I I can't remember whether it's on Bernard uh, on the Eagle books or whether it's on. Um, yeah, it's it's always on the eagle books. Uh, on the back, it says, "I don't need this kind of competition." Bernard Cornwell. I think I think they are <laughs> friends, or they and they have a bit of a friendly rivalry because they both write really good historical fiction. They do. Whereas they do. Ber- Bernard Cornwell's is set in like Viking England, and Simon Scarrow's is the Roman. I army. think Bernard Cornwell <clears throat> might be better known for his Napoleonic sharp stories. Mm. Well, that's where he kind of got going. He cut yeah. his teeth with those, but. Simon Scarrow's written some Napoleonic stories as well. Mm. So yeah, maybe they yeah. are. Have a they're, do they're, both, they're both authors with a lot of a uh, lot of books behind them. To be them. fair, just, they're quite similar in terms of their writing styles. They're very similar. Yeah, that's what I like about both of them so much is that they're like you said. They're actually they're very easy to read books. Like like I said, I'm reading the nineteenth one at the moment. I only started it on Monday. It, we're recording on a Friday, and I, I I've only got about seventy pages left of a. 400 page book i'm i'm just flying through it i'm really enjoying it excellent is kato uh, bloody centurion yet <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna give any spoilers i'm not gonna give any spoilers well i don't know if i'll read anymore if i'm honest henry really because, uh, well yeah although it was good um it was slow uh, the big battle at the end was great and the battle with the germans i guess was okay there wasn't really enough happening for me <laughs> are you one of those people who needs constant action well i i think maybe. i i I'd, I'd say um maybe give like the next next one or next two a try because now that they're in britannia it follows the campaign a bit more and there are some really really good action set pieces in it okay um maybe well, it did remind me of a book called emperor by connie golden i know you've read one of connie golden's books before but he also wrote a book, a series of books set in Roman times, which is a sort of fictional account of the young Julius Caesar's life. Oh, uh, yeah, you've, told, was, you've mentioned these before, I believe. And they was very similar in terms of writing style to this book. Only <coughs> more happened. <coughs> Falcon of Sparta, that was actually the first book I read this year, was the Conor Gordon one. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I did. It was good. So that's all but, the books you've been reading? Yeah. So, do you think you'll give the second one a go? Well, I've got a massive to-be-read pile at the moment. 
<laughs> so I've gone through that. So, we'll so at some point. So, so at some point. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Fair enough. Okay, so that's the books. You have been waiting for a game for quite a while now. <laughs> yes, I yeah. um, for context, there was a game that I played when I was younger and loved. Is, really, is, really it, loved. Is, is, is it that tap the mail game? Because that the May- Mayo, <laughs> I am Mayo two. I am Mayo two has just come out, so you can get another sh- shitty Wait. platinum. That's actually because I will get that, and I will press X work ten thousand times to get another platinum. I was looking through your platinums the other day on PS4, and I'm like, I'm only counting four of these. The rest of these. No, no, they all yeah. count. No, have, they don't. Do I have sixteen now? How many have I got? You've got well, no, you've got four. No, I've got sixteen. You 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 paid for those twelve. <laughs> you paid for all your platinums. You paid money for those. Also, fifty hours of your life per game. Anyway, <laughs> we were saying about a game that I that I've just got. I mean, I've, I've been playing lately a, a lot, and it's a remake of a game that I had back when I was younger than twelve. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first twelve plus game I ever got, and I was I I was so young. My parents were like. You can't have this twelve plus, not because I was young, but because not 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 because it might have graphic content, but because it might just be too difficult for someone on my age to play because it's a twelve plus game. <laughs> anyway, it's called Thirteen in Roman numerals, and although it didn't have great reviews when it came out, I think it came out two thousand three, two thousand three, seventeen years ago. Um, it, it got a cult following, and I really liked it because it's the first time I played a game with such a strong story. Because it was, because it, it was, it was, it was like the one of the first games to use the cell shaded style, and it was based mm. off a comic book. Yeah, yeah. So they it, made German, the... it was a German or a Belgian comic book or something. Yeah, and and so it's got this whole comic style in its art. Um, reviewers have said, "Oh, the gameplay is not very good," and to be fair, they're not wrong. But the art alone is won awards on based on a game is won game making awards based on the art alone. This is the 2003 one we're talking about, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, and so they recently remade it for PS4. And I was like, oh my god, yes, 50 quid. I'll order this game. Can't wait. I can't wait to get back into this game. And my flatmate was a ma- is a massive fan of it as well. So he can't wait to watch me play it because he can't doesn't want to spend that much money. Anyway, the developers have recently had to publicly apologise for this game. This remake. It's- because it's hot garbage, apparently. <laughs> because it's been re- it's been made or remade, sorry, so bad. Not only does it still have all the bugs that were in the original game in this remake, it's added new bugs <laughs> <laughs> to this game. But maybe the thing that annoys me the most is they've taken this iconic award-winning artwork and reduced it to looking like it's out of fucking Fortnite or something. Yeah, that's what I heard. Because. I remember you telling me about this game, how excited you were to play it and how much yeah. like you remembered it. And then I think I was on YouTube and I saw a review for it and it said one of the worst, and it was like a review and it was like one of the worst games we've played. And I was like, oh, oh. And I clicked it and I watched it and I watched it. And I was like, I wonder Does how Tom, Tom know? I, yeah, I was like, I wonder how Tom's getting on with this. And I, ha- I have to admit, I am surprised that you finished it. Well, <laughs> you, you finished it, haven't you? I finished it out of loyalty, <laughs> but or is it stubbornness? <laughs> stubbornness, maybe. Uh, it's the buggiest game I've ever played, and I've played Ark Survival Evolved. I've played some really buggy games, but this was definitely by far the buggiest. They brutalised the game I love, Henry. Yeah, isn't it like they've 
they've kind of got rid of the cell shaded style. It's less the kind of like the comic book comic book flair that the first game has. That's kind of gone. Yep, that's completely gone. And Almost. I, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I watched a couple of reviews out of curiosity, and I was just like, oh. Oh, I wonder how Tom's getting on. I, I didn't. I didn't ask you because I was like, I'll save it for the podcast. <laughs> you, you've luckily, confer- you've, you've confirmed. Me, confirmed it's as bad as they say and worse. Luckily, the original to tie in with the re- with the remake release, they've re-released the original game on Steam. So, so yeah, I'll get you can that. Now go and play that. I'm gonna get that and play that and feel so much better. <laughs> but oh, even though it's a remake and a terrible remake at that, the memories were so strong. Like occasionally throughout my life, I'll hum a tune. There'll be a random tune that I can hear in my head. Except it's not a random tune. It turns out it was in this game the whole time. <laughs> because I was playing it back when I was eight. I don't know. So it, it just stayed with me. I'm like, oh, hang on, that music. I've always, I always hum that music. That, that, that's where it's come from. Yeah, I was going to say that was one of the good, one of the few things that the reviewers said. They said at least the music is good. <laughs> mm. Well, they didn't change that. They didn't change the music. But if I didn't have such a great love for the original game, I would say that's the worst game I've ever played. I would not spend yeah. fifty quid for that. If I'd spend fifty quid for that and not had anything to do with the original game, I'd be furious. Mm. Are, you, are you even going to bother keep keeping hold of it? Or are you just going to like sell it off if you can? That's a good point. I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> try, try, and re- try and recoup some money. Well, no, I, I wouldn't wish it on my worst out. enemy. To be honest, I'm not sure I hate anyone enough to make them play it. <laughs> it's an insult to the original game. I'm really sad. Uh, that's that's a shame. But I I do have to admit I I was surprised because I'd seen you were playing it. I was like, oh, I wonder how he's getting on. And I saw you'd finished it. I was like. Blimey, I'm I'm surprised you stuck with it. <laughs> a lot of it was very similar to the original game, so I was like, okay, I can do this, and it all came back to me. And it it was great fun. If I pretended it was the original game, at least. <laughs> yeah, nostalgia trip. But it is is broken. That game is completely broken. Mm. Have you been playing anything else? Well, as I previously mentioned, I've been playing. Um, Roman mods for Mountain Blade Warbands. I just can't get into the the Mountain Blade Warband, uh, Mountain Blade Two, Battlelords. I just can't get into it. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. That is I've it been... even? For, is, isn't it like still in beta or something at the moment? Possibly. I know they keep releasing patches, but yeah, um, I've been a big Mountain Blade fan for a while. Not that I do much, ta- much tactical analysis in the battles or anything. I just sort of get as much cavalry as I can and go charge. <laughs> Which works, actually, in the original game. Maybe that's why you didn't like the Roman book. There weren't enough cavalry charges. Well, Romans didn't have much cavalry. Not that it stopped <laughs> me from finding much cavalry in the Mountain Blade mod. But I've also been trying to platinum Saddle of War. Because I thought that wouldn't be too hard to platinum. And how's that going for you? I forgot how frustrating it is, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, because so, that was the uh, free game on PS Plus this month, wasn't it? I've, I've got it, so. but I haven't I haven't started it yet because I've I've been going back through The Last of Us two to platic because I thought with Cyberpunk coming out next month, I was thinking if I don't do it now, will it come out next month though? Will it? Well, seeing as it's out in about fourteen days, I really doubt they're gonna 
<laughs> push it back again, and I think they've said that it, it will be ready for then. I thought they said that for the last one. <laughs> yeah, they did. It literally, someone said, "Can I just confirm that it is coming out uh, before I book work off?" And their their um, publicity say, team said, "Yeah." And then the very next day, they're like, "Cyberpunk's been delayed," and they just replied, "Well, shit." <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it is definitely coming. Out. So I was, I was thinking, oh, I bet I I'd been meaning to plat um, Last of Us Two. Um, it's quite an easy platform, so thought, to be fair. Yeah. So I thought I I better I, I'll play it before uh, Cyberpunk comes out because uh, I I saw something the other day where it's one of the game testers for the games for Cyberpunk has put over 170 hours into it. Oh, I saw this and they, they still, still haven't completed have, it. But that that's the main story plus all the side quests as well. That like, isn't just the main story because I think Fuck. they've said I think they've said that they well considering how big the witch 3 was it took me 70 hours just to complete the main story alone and about 15 hours for the stories of the dlc as well so yeah that that will be my main game for the next month at least so at least <laughs> <laughs> the rest of your life henry mm, mm. but cyberpunk 2077 i am completely hyped out i had so much hype that, for this that's game. the thing. I, Especially like, when you told me about the Mantis Blades. I was entirely for that. that but... That's the thing. I, I was like you. I was really hyped up. And then, of course, when it got delayed... For again, like the, uh, again, and again, and again. I, my... and, and, and I'm still hearing about it. I'm just like, I'm done. I don't really care. It's gone on too long. But that's the thing. I, I Like you, my, my hype had begun to wane. But then they released... They did a... So what they'd been doing... Uh, building up to the release of it they've been doing what's called Night City Wire where it's like a 20 minutes half an hour of them telling you some details about the game like the music and having Keanu Reeves involved and the combat and the weapons and they did one uh, last week and I have to admit that brought the hype back because it was them talking about the music it was them talking about working with Keanu Reeves and an interview with him and the hype came back because then afterward after the live stream they released six of the uh tracks from the gameplay score and i've just been listening to them non-stop getting really hyped again so i'll, I'll have to send it to you and because it's really worth a watch i guarantee um, it won't be enough to get my hype back uh for, for me it was i'm like okay okay i'm ready now i'm ready <laughs> give me this game <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing you feel like that now if it, if they delay it again i i don't I, I don't think they can afford to delay it again I generally don't think they can. I think they... I can understand the reasons why, because with COVID and everything, and just wanting to make the best game that they can. Well, yeah, I think, I'd oh, much rather oh, they release a banger than a... Yeah. 13. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's... Exactly. I, I, I really like CD Projekt Red. Um, they're a really well-established company. And I do want them to make the uh, best game they can. But I think with that, the most recent delay... I think they did. I think they did see like a dip in their stock because of it. And yeah. So I think. I think. And yeah, I don't think if they did it again, it wouldn't help their reputation. But I, even so, I think they will release a fantastic game on the tenth of December. So yeah, I, fingers I crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Next episode, they'll be like, "So that was a fucking lie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, provided it does come out, I I imagine we will be talking a bit about cyberpunk 2077 in the next in the I next i still haven't podcast. pre-ordered it i should probably pre-order it yeah 
Oh, I pre-ordered it months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Years ago. Well, I, I heard someone saying, um, a reviewer or a YouTuber... That they first, when this game was announced, like, what, six years ago? Four years, years ago? ago? Years and years ago. I don't know if that's, I don't know if my figures are correct. Probably not. I, the, the, fir- the first teaser ago. trailer for it, I think, came out 2012. What? That's <laughs> yeah. eight I, years I, I, ago. I'll, 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 let me let me look it up. I'll try and find it. Um, what? Yeah, I, I, think, I, think I, sent, I think I sent it to you, what you're about to say. It was some guy saying... I I've I've finished university. I'm married and I've had a kid, and this game still hasn't come out <laughs> since the the time that they saw the teaser trailer. That's ridiculous. That is. I'm sorry. This had better be the most amazing game. Se- seven years ago. Seven years ago. So 20, 2013. 2013. Yeah. I... And they're still delaying it because it's not ready. <laughs> no more. No more. No more. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe that. Cannot believe that. So, I was thinking for the next episode, instead of us doing books suggested to read to each other, we will do an end of year roundup. Oh. So, I'm going to set you the task with, for next episode, come back with, like, maybe your top three, the top three books you've read. Oh. And maybe a couple. Like a challenge. A couple which you weren't either so keen on do you think you think yeah, you can I, do that kind, kind of like kind of like what we did in last the, year in the well in our very first episode yeah we we discussed the books that we'd read last year so i thought we'll do an end of year roundup on some of our favorite books give some thought to those maybe think about some some top suggestions for games and tv shows as well you've seen throughout the year we can discuss those as well kind of make it a gen, gen, general roundup even some podcasts as well, because I have a few podcasts I could definitely recommend. Um, but yeah, I, I I think we'll begin to wrap up there. I really enjoyed that whiskey. Oh, that reminds me. I do have a quote for this. Oh, we, we always this. forget to do a quote. So yes, I, yes, I, 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 found, I found one and I saved it and I was thinking this. this you remembered. This, this is excellent. Yes. What's the quote? So again, this is going back to our previous episode where we were talking about make your bed and you were saying you you liked what it said but often you'd find even in fiction books you could learn those lessons of be a good person don't be a bully um stuff like that and i feel like this quote in tune with what you say about learning from just learning stuff from even fiction books so the quote is fiction is the lie through which we tell the truth albert camus Oh, I've heard that before, and it's so true. Yeah, I like that. I like that, and I thought Tom will like this one. So he does. I'm going to say that I found it, and I was like, I better save that for the episode, and I better remember it. So, I re- I'm really enjoying this whiskey. I think I will so definitely, I. definitely have to get some more. And uh, well, you've have been having it already, haven't you? This is the first time I've had it, and um, yeah, let's I just think say I, this I bottle is not going to last. <laughs> Does does whiskey ever really last long with you though? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, dear. I was gonna say how how how's your whiskey stock doing in lockdown? Because I think last time I spoke, you said, "Oh, I've got two like two or three bottles." How how have they lasted? <laughs> I don't think they lasted a week. I'm not gonna lie, they did not last long. <sighs> Blimey, must have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I woke up one morning really regretting some life decisions. 
That was the day. I, that was the day I started help uh, a new job as well. So that that did not go well. Oh dear! Oh dear! <laughs> Poor choices were made. Poor yeah. choices were very much made. Uh, no regrets. Anyway, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. I, re- I enjoyed thank it. Thank you very much for some, having me. Some... Thank you for recommending this whiskey. Uh, thank you for re- recommending some good books as well. You're very welcome. Yeah, I will definitely be reading uh, the next one in the Ketty J series. I can tell you that now. I can tell you will enjoy it. Yeah. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.